Hoop 7 proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Reddish. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Welcome to the latest episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle and business is really picking up now. We're into the NBL finals. We've got through the regular season. The NBL awards have all been handed out. So what we've got now is to just determine who wins the NBL championship. It all gets underway this weekend with two massive semi-final series. So let's let's not waste any time. Let's get straight into it. I'm Chris Pike, the co-host, but the man who you all want to hear his opinions on and how he sees things shaping up, the scoring machine, the Perth Wildcats legend. Sean Redditch, thanks for joining me once again. Thanks, Pikey. This is this is the fun time of the year. I can't wait for the games this weekend. I think uh, you know it's what you you play for and and what you train for. So I'm excited to see how these teams perform. Yeah, so so am I. We've got a big show planned as well. So we'll have a, a quick look back on how everyone got into the finals in a in a thrilling final round because we haven't had a chance to speak about that yet on the show. And then we'll have a look at the NBL awards that was handed out. We'll have a quick chat about the Boomers games last weekend as well, which is why we had the the delayed start to the NBL finals. We've got some coaching news around the league to discuss as well. And we've also got a special guest, Sean, and somebody that you're very familiar with both from some pretty legendary battles, especially when he was at Cairns. And then you got to finish your career winning a championship alongside him. And, and he changed his opinion on you by having that season playing alongside him. Did you feel the same? Yeah, a tremendous amount of respect for, for Kat. And, mm. uh, and, and, you know, when he joined our team, I thought uh, it's always tough. And I probably experienced that later in, in my career as well, is, is kind of change your role from – you know, he was such a dominant player and dominant score, and he was willing to come in and, and sacrifice and kind of play that, that uh, I guess, that in, impact player off the bench and uh, and almost be a mentor to some of the uh, some of the younger guys as well. So I think he, yeah, it was kind of the perfect ending to, to his career mm-hmm. and that he could finish with the championship and, and have a lasting impact on uh, on the guys around the club as well. So it was uh, it was fun to be, be his teammate. And, you know, you still talk about him towards the end of his career. There were some days in training where he was the best player out there on the yeah, court. He was. Um, and then <laughs> it was just almost unstoppable at, at times. So it was, uh, you know, to me, it was still fun to see and compete against him on a daily basis in the training realm as well. For sure. Martin Canellini, of course, we're talking about. So we'll hear from him shortly. But, Sean, let's get straight into it. We're, of course, here thanks to Hoops Heaven. They've been our supporters since the very start. Head to hoopsheaven.com.au to check out all of the basketball gear you could ever hope for, all of the shoes. I Every time something pops up on Facebook, I just want to buy it. I just can't, can't help myself. They've got an incredible amount of merchandise there. So thanks to their support of our show here too. You can get a special discount if you use the code word HUSTLE as well at checkout. So make sure you go and support Hoops Heaven. But Sean, let's go back to the final round of the regular season. It was an incredible ending to to what has been, what was probably the closest NBL season on record. And I'll just run through the, the sequence of events that led to Melbourne United ending up snatching that fourth position. So it started on the Thursday night. And Melbourne had to beat the Cairns Taipans, who had already secured third spot. It was a tight game for most of it, but then Melbourne pulled away late to win 99-83, and that was important because it, it stretched their, their points differential out as well, so it gave them an extra edge. But then Friday night, it was the New Zealand Breakers who moved back into fourth position. They beat the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix 92-83, but they probably didn't quite beat them by enough. So that gave the Brisbane Bullets a chance on Saturday, hosting the Cairns Taipans, they had to win by 34 points to get back into fourth position, and they did it. They won by 36 in a remarkable game. And then that put all of the pressure back on Melbourne United to beat Southeast Melbourne Phoenix on the Sunday. They just had to win. It didn't matter the margin, and they did it. So they, they got the job done there. A team that's been the great enigma of the competition, all of a sudden, towards the end, Melbourne United got things together, got into fourth position. How did you see that final round? It was exciting. Mm. I mean, for Brisbane to go and win by 36, <laughs> you know, it, it was the most uh, watched ending to a 36-point mm. blowout that I think I've ever been a part of. I was actually at the the, the, um, the Wildcats yeah. game, and we had the, the game up on the monitor, and even some of the Wildcats 
players and coaches and sports staff were, were checking out the score just to kind of see what would happen. And uh, so, and that's where the point differential, uh, mm-hmm. and I like that. And it comes down, um, comes down to the end of the season. And I guess if you're New Zealand and you're Brisbane, you might be looking back at some of the, the games early in the year. Could you have uh, possibly won one that you lost or could you, you know, won by more in, in games that you did get a win? So, uh, you know, it comes down to those crucial couple minutes of, of each of those games where they could have, you know, I guess built up their lead a little bit more mm-hmm. and maybe help their percentages. But uh, that's what you want. I mean, it comes down to that last game. Melbourne's got a win. They've got the awards um, going on that night, yeah. and uh, and credit to them, they they did enough. I always felt like they had the talent, yep. and they were going to get in there. But uh, I think they made uh, the United fans uh, sweat on it. But <laughs> uh, I I think in the end, you got the four best teams. Probably, I would say Brisbane's a little bit unlucky in, mm. in the how well in New Zealand almost, yeah. and how well they were playing towards the end of the year. But I still think you probably got the four most talented teams um, yeah. playing in the finals. Yeah, I think so too. Melbourne's always had the talent. It's never been a question on that. It's just a matter of if they can actually start playing together as a team. And for whatever reason, the move of Melo Trimble to the bench has been the thing that has, has sparked them. And I think we're pretty blessed with these two semifinal series that we've got now. I don't think we could ask for, for anything any, any better. We'll do a full preview on it a little bit later. But we can just touch on it now to have the Sydney Kings playing Melbourne United in a rematch of last year's semifinals and then the Perth Wildcats and the Cairns Taipans, two teams that match up really, really well against each other. I don't think we could ask for much more. No, I think that's what you want. It's uh, There's some intriguing storylines in there as well. Casper Ware going from Melbourne to yeah. Sydney. You know, the comments uh, of Bogut with Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Cairns and, and Perth as well. You've got uh, you kind of got two contrasting styles of plays, players. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, as you touched on, after that, Last regular season game, a lot of the a lot of the, the players involved went straight to the NBL Awards night that in Melbourne on that Sunday night. Now we gave our thoughts on who we thought would win each award. I'll I'll run through the major award winners quickly, and you just tell me what what stood out to you. Any surprises, or if you think they got it pretty much spot on. The fans' MVP went to Scott Machado from Cairns. Defensive Player of the Year, DJ Newbill, also from the Taipans. Most improved player to Will Magne of the Brisbane Bullets. Also of the Bullets, the best six man, Jason Kadee. Rookie of the year was the one that was was penciled in from the start of the season. I would have thought Lamelo Ball. We'll go we'll go through the all first and second teams a little bit later. Coach of the year, Mike Kelly, and the MVP, Bryce Cotton. And anything stand out about about those? Oh look, I think they were all deserving. Yeah. I think there was there was probably some that were probably harder to pick than others. I thought you know, the six man most improved mm. um, were probably the toughest ones. Defensive player of the year, I think, you know, probably got that one right. Um, yeah, well, you, you, know, you thought Cam Oliver. Cam Oliver didn't finish in the top three. Yeah, I, yeah, I just, I was going off how people vote in the past. Yep. Um, you know, I really like DJ Nubel as the, uh, as a defensive player, sure. and I think I think uh, if it, it was if it was me, uh, that's how I would vote it: a guy who can lock someone down, not necessarily the guy who's getting rebounds and making the flashy blocks, yeah. but just getting getting down and dirty and uh, and getting the job done on the defensive end. And he's probably uh, one of the best, or if not the best, um, outside of Damian Martin when he's healthy mm-hmm. and, um, and and playing a full season. So I think uh, you know credit to to DJ Newbel on that. Yeah, I can't complain with with how it how it went. I think uh, they probably got got them right. Uh, you know, I think credit to the NBL, they've kind of changed it a little bit this, in the last couple of years on that awards and uh, and tweaked it so they're they're getting uh, you know a better reflection of of different beliefs within it. You know, before sometimes you can get some biases in there, mm-hmm. and I think they're trying to take that out of there. And that, and I think they they got for the most part. I think they've got it right. Yeah, I don't think we can say that any of the winners didn't deserve it. The one thing I was really surprised about was both with the best six men and the most improved player award, that Sean Bruce wasn't top three in either of those awards. I thought he was a real chance to win both of them potentially, or at least one of them, but he didn't finish top three in either of them. Does that surprise you as well, or was that just me? No, I was surprised. I guess maybe there were some times where Sean Bruce was a little bit quiet at times, but mm-hmm. that just comes to go with your being a, a role player yeah. and, and a bench player as well. 
Um, but you know, I think he, he did a fantastic job this year. It was, um, I think there were some tough ones to, to go in there. The other one that was interesting and, you know, I'm looking at these all NBL first team, yep. second team, Bryce Cotton didn't get all NBL first team from a few people. So like no, how, how no, does the right. MVP, how do you not put him <laughs> up there in the first team is beyond me. Yeah, let's go through those because that's where a little bit of the controversy I think is is coming from out of the awards night. I think all the award winners were spot on. I think the the first and second team there's a little, little bit to be discussed there. So the all first team two inside players were Jay Sean Tate of the Sydney Kings and Nick Kay of the Wildcats, and then the outside players they spoke for themselves: Scott Machado, Bryce Cotton, and Lamar Patterson. I'm not too sure about about Nick Kay. I think Cam Oliver's desperately unlucky. Cam Oliver got in the all-second team. So did Andrew Bogut. And then the outside players in the all-second team were Scotty Hobson, DJ Newbel, and Casper Ware. The two things that stand out to me are Cam Oliver not making the first team and Andrew Bogut making the second team ahead of both Daniel Johnson and Mitch Creek, who missed out altogether. Yeah, I think it was a tough one for, for Mitch Creek to, to miss out, mm. um, especially the start to the year. Sometimes when you're voting, you kind of only remember – maybe the last five or six rounds and not, not the complete season. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought Bogut was pretty quiet and he's come out this, yeah. this week and just talked about his back issues and how he's not sure if we'd be playing on past, past the next Olympics. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, and if you, if you asked him, he, he would definitely say he wasn't as dominant this year, but yeah. he's still a factor. So, For sure. uh, it, and obviously, Cam Oliver, I think, probably unlucky. I think it was a coin toss between Tate and Nick Kay. Mm-hmm. And then I thought Cam Oliver would have been in there. So, it, But it's a um, – the other thing is there's not too many actually local guys in those first two teams. No, you got Nick Kay, you got Andrew Bogut. Um, yeah. Outside of that, though, it's it's the import. So um, that's, uh, to me, that's interesting as well. Yeah, I think it is. There's, um, there's some good Australian talent and, and, and New Zealand talent as well. Yeah, I think Mitch, Mitch Craig and Daniel Johnson, sorry, easily could have been in there. Um, but it's it's tough to fit them all in. I think I think there's legitimately 12 guys that deserved a spot and only 10 of them could get it. So I think overall it's pretty close. I just think I would have had, I think, Mitch Craig as one of my 10. Um, but, you know. I think, well, here's where I've maybe disagree because I kind of tend, if you're up, if you're not sure on a guy, you go with team success. Yeah, no, you're right. That's a good point. So you benefit the team success. And I would say maybe Mitch Creek, Scotty Hobson are probably neck and neck for that role right there. And you probably give the nod to Scotty Hobson. I mean, he was outstanding the last part and almost willed that that New Zealand team into the final. So um, to me, that's where, that's where probably, you know, you've probably got 15 guys that are, mm. that are legitimate candidates and, and belong in there, but then the tiebreaker goes to team success for my, for my thinking on it. Yeah, no, that's a good point. 20 wins compared to nine wins is a, is a significant difference. So if you, if you're tossing up a coin, I think that's a good way to, to figure it out. Now, of course, the reason we had a break last week in between the end of the regular season and before the start of the the finals this week was the FIBA Asia Cup qualifiers for 2021. I'm not sure how much you saw of them, Sean, but it started on Thursday night. New Zealand, for the first time in 11 years, got a win over over the Boomers, 108 to 98. And some interesting points there, I thought. Two guys preparing to play finals, Jared Kenny for Cairns and Shayili for New Zealand, were fantastic. And then I thought two guys who missed out on finals played like they had a real point to prove, Ruben Tarangi and Rob Lowen. And that was enough to get the job done against a pretty scrappy Boomers team. And then, then both teams went and backed it up on Sunday with a second game where the Boomers hosted Hong Kong. Um, fair to say it was a weakened Hong Kong team who couldn't get their full team out of the country through to through the coronavirus fears and, you know, 63-point win for the Boomers there. And I guess the exciting part of that was the son of Warwick Giddy, Josh Giddy, who, who showed as a 17-year-old that he's got an incredible future and hopefully we see him in the NBL next season before he's then eligible for the NBA draft and the Tall Blacks went and had a second win as well the biggest game ever hosted in Guam it was a full stadium the atmosphere was incredible all of Guam got right behind their their national basketball team who were just who were have just quali- 
have just, I think they won a competition to be part of the Asia Cup qualifiers for the first time. So it's pretty exciting for them. They had a team with familiar faces, Ernest Ross, somebody that you obviously know pretty well, Sean. Ty Wesley and his his couple of brothers were in that team as well. Curtis Washington, who I think he played at the Rockingham Flames a couple of years ago. So you, you are familiar with him too. So some familiar faces on that Guam team. But yeah, the Tall Blacks got the win there to make it two wins for the weekend. Anything about the FIBA break that you wanted to mention? Oh, look, I think it's it's great for some guys that probably aren't always going to get that opportunity to play with the Boomers mm. um, and, and kind of showcase their skills on a on a national or, I guess, worldwide level. Uh, you know, I guess probably from Australia basketball, disappointing to lose to the Tall Blacks. Yep. You, you know, I mean, we're, we're building there for uh, for the Olympics. And in, in all honesty, there's not going to be a lot of guys on that team that are going to, mm. you know, be buying for spots. But I still think there's there's pride there. And obviously you touched on they hadn't, hadn't beat the uh, Boomers since 2009. Yeah. So it's been a long time. Um, since since they lost, but credit to New Zealand, they brought a strong team over, and and guys like Jared Kinney and um, Shay Ely, who are preparing for the finals, you know, they um, they got after it and, and played well. I thought, you know, Tarangi mm. played really well, and uh, probably a kind of a point to prove. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've been here all season, <laughs> but you guys haven't used yeah. the uh, reigning six man most improved yeah. player of the year um is uh you know he had uh some some saved up energy Mm -hmm. and performances in him so hopefully i'm not sure what the future holds for him but uh you know i hope he gets a little bit more of an opportunity in 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 the future years coming because i i think you know he showed what he's capable last year just didn't have those opportunities this year so i'm not sure what exactly what's going on there and inside workings there i know they had two imports in that same position but you know, I think if you're New Zealand, you're excited about about where you are. Australia, you know, that to me, it's just a weird time to be doing. I, I would prefer them to do the do one FIBA break, and maybe if you want to play some extra games, make it a little bit longer in that November window. Yeah. And then we're in the middle of the season. I mean, obviously the NBL is about to get into the finals. Let let's let's get on with the season, and uh, and and if you're gonna play games, let let's play meaningful games. I'd rather play the tallbacks twice than go play yeah. Hong Kong for some teams. It's going to benefit, you know, the, the Wildcats, they had a few injury concerns. Mm. Guys didn't look a hundred percent in their last game. So it might, uh, might help their case come finals time. And, and also Sydney as well. I mean, yeah. uh, Andrew Bogut has been, uh, we know he, he's missed a few games and, and hasn't looked a hundred percent right. Probably for, for a little while now. So you, you see it could help him at Kevin Lish, there as well, give him a few more reps in, in training to get him back to the level we know he can play at. I think it probably helps Cairns too because copying the two spankings they did in the final round, suddenly that's two weeks ago now, feels like a, life, a lifetime ago. So I think they can, can overcome that and suddenly the momentum you lost and momentum you gained in that last round is probably evened out. So it probably hurts Melbourne because they lose their momentum, but but Cairns can probably get back on even, even kilter as well. So I think it leaves us with four teams that are pretty – evenly matched. So we'll get to that shortly after we hear from Martin Catalini. Just a couple of quick things. Some coaching news around the league. No surprise that the Adelaide 36ers have now confirmed that that they have parted ways with Joey Wright. That's been confirmed this week, but we, we knew that was happening from the moment we saw the way Joey was feeling and, and speaking when he was in Perth for that final regular season game. And also Mike Kelly re-signing with the Taipans for the next two years. Any any thoughts on those two bits of news? Well, no, no surprise there with probably both of them. Yeah. Um, you know, Mike Kelly, congratulations after having a uh, disappointing first year campaign. Is done a remarkable job of that can seem, especially after they started a little bit slow this yeah. year. But uh, they've done a great job recruiting. I thought uh, you know he's coached them extremely well and. And it's shown. So it's good to see Cant uh, rewarding him with that. And Joey Wright, he just got that sense going into the game. Even if I hadn't heard that news, mm. just talking to Joey, it just kind of seemed like before that last game in Perth that he knew it was there was that it was time was up at Adelaide. And you know, sometimes as a coach, you you, you kind of run your course. You've been there seven years. Came in, got him to the grand final after after year one. 
And uh, and I still still think they you know they were a Josh Childress injury away from winning that yeah. grand final a couple of years ago against Melbourne as well. So I thought he, he you know this was probably his poorest year at Adelaide. Yeah, it was. And uh, it, it, you got the sense there was some things going on there between him and probably management, and wasn't the you know probably an ideal situation. And so uh, I'll be interested though who's going to get that job. You know who's going to mm. put their hand up. And uh, go go for that. Is is Andrew Gaze going to try and get back mm-hmm. into coaching? Are we going to look at uh you know some more established names, Rob Beveridge, Sean Dennis, or is it going to be someone kind of out of left field, or, you know, like a Will Weaver who comes from yeah. America and, and puts his hand in? So I'll be interested to see how Adelaide plays that. But they're probably doing the right thing if they're going to make a change, do it now, and so they can get the word out because they're going to have to start recruiting. You're going to have to you know this free agents list is going to come out in a few weeks' time and. You're going to have to try and uh, put together a competitive team. Yeah, it's been it's been a fascinating ride with the 36s this season. I've I've been doing some work for the club, so I've been able to sort of pick up bits and pieces. And from spending time with Joey, spending time with some of the players, the the way the stories were being twisted from either side, it was it was fair to say that all parties weren't getting along too great, and it was just time to go go your separate ways. And I think it's time for a fresh start for Adelaide and. And maybe you go for a totally young and fresh coach. Maybe someone like Adam Ford deserves a chance. He's been huge in what the Sydney Kings have done this season because Will Weaver was away for pretty much the whole offseason. So Adam Ford put that group together. Um, even the last week or so when when Will Weaver's been busy with the Boomers, it's been Adam Ford taking control of that group again in the lead-up to the finals. And and after the work that he did with the Wildcats, and you know him better than, better than most having had, had him as, as an assistant coach, I think he's pretty much primed for for the head coaching role too, but you've got other assistants around the league. Jamie O'Loughlin's one that stands out who's who's probably ready for, for, for the job. Um, Mick Downer's a long-time assistant coach around the league who has has been waiting for, for an opportunity. There's a there's a heap of guys that deserve a chance. Yeah, there is. And you, you just wonder which direction they're going to go. Are they mm. going to go with the, you know that experience or are they going to – Cairns Thai fans took a, a – a, a gamble there with Mike Kelly yep. hadn't really had a whole lot of uh, head coaching experience. And he, uh, you know, obviously there was, there's some struggles in year one, but they're reaping the benefits of it now. And uh, he, he's put together a great team. So it's um, yeah, I'll be, you know, in the past, they've kind of gone with that more experienced established uh, coach as well. So we'll be, uh, we'll be interested to see how that all plays out. Van Gronigan's there, you know, yep. he's, yep. um, I get the sense he's probably leans toward a more experienced um, mm-hmm. coach, but I guess you just never know who's who's truly in charge there and, and how, which direction they're going to go. But I'm sure there'll be plenty of people putting their hands up. You know, I think you make a great case for, for Adam Ford, Jamie Lee O'Loughlin. Mm. There's quite a few really good assistants in the NBL that uh, that have done a, a great job for a long period of time and been with successful clubs. Obviously, yeah. Jamie with Perth, Adam with Perth doing well. Both those coaches doing well with their current clubs, Sydney and, and Cairns. So I'll, um, I'm sure there's a number of other people that'll they'll put their hand up. I mean, there's only nine mm-hmm. NBL head coaching gigs available. So, I mean, there's plenty of good coaches to uh, to choose from. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah. I mean, Paul Hanari is another one that springs to mind. You mentioned Sean Dennis. I mean, there's so many guys that could easily step into that role. So we'll follow that with interest. But let's get to our special guest for this week, Sean, Martin Catalini. First, I wanted to get your thoughts. What was it like playing against him? You pretty much matched up one-on-one with him for a lot of years when he was at the Taipans. They knocked you out of the playoffs at least once, but um, he talked about how much he hated playing against you just because of what sort of what sort of a player you were and how hard you would compete. Um, what was he like from your point of view to play against he was just a tough cover. I mean, yeah. usually you, you play against guys and you kind of have a tendency. They're a driver. They're a shooter. He was both. And he had the mid-range. He, he had that toughness and competitiveness about him. Um, you know, if, if you scored on him, he was going to come back and, and try and put uh, put a bucket on you as well. So, uh, yeah, I loved, loved the matchups. It was always a tough one. But, um, you know, I found him a hard one to um, – to really get down and scout because he could hurt you from a number of different ways. And um, just so creative on the offensive end and uh, you know, uh, um, I, probably a better player than people give credit to. I mean, yeah. just how, how versatile he was. I still remember 
in in his prime. He gave Sam McKinnon 50 when Sam McKinnon quite possibly was one of the best defenders in the league. So it was uh, he was a, a, a nightmare cover um, at that four spot for, for a lot of guys. I always found him so intimidating to go up to speak to as well. I don't know why. To me, he just seemed like he was that he was that cool kid at school. You know, the one that everyone wants to be around. He's so good at everything, and you just you just want to want him to accept you. To me, he was always always that sort of guy. To me, when he came to Perth for that last season, um, obviously to play with you, and I was working at the club at the time. I was always just nervous to go up to up to him and ask him to help out with something. Sometimes he would tell me to to piss off sometimes when I would ask him to do something sometimes he was happy to do it he didn't always love doing media work which is which is fair enough but as we'll hear in this interview he's a great great talker but how grateful are you that you got to spend that last year of your career with him and and I mean you both ended up with a fairy tale finish you both ended up as Olympians there's a lot of similarities in the careers of both of you yeah, I think in some ways we kind of had similar games yeah. as well. We were, we, you know, we were, um, we're probably known for our scoring and our ability to put the ball in the basket. And, you know, I think we could bounce ideas off each other. I remember him coming up to me one, he just kind of felt like at that time I would just become the captain and he just kind of felt like I'd had the weight on my shoulders mm-hmm. and we had gone through a tough stretch. He's like, just focus on what you need to do out there on the court um and just play your game because he just kind of felt like I was I was playing outside of my game and that you know for someone like him to notice that and then give you the confidence to go out there that was um you know kind of gave me a little bit higher level of respect for for what you know he not only was he just a great player but I think he was a a good leader captain and um you know just a, a student of the game as well he was a smart player so it was, uh, you know, it was great to, to spend that last year, and you know, I think he he was he was vital in our in our championship run that year. And I still remember the day after the championship, he celebrated and hosted you all at his house as well. He did, he did, yeah. We were we were, <laughs> we were there. I think um, uh, the thing I remember is kids. Um, I think his his uh, his youngest one still loved to be in. He was kind of in that younger stage. Mm. He was still in that dress up stage. I yep. think he was in about four or five different costumes um <laughs> at the day so it was um you know he was he was living it up and um you know i think it's it, i think when you can finish your career on a championship that's that's the ultimate way to go out so uh you know i was i was happy we were able to um provide that for him yeah for sure all right let's get straight to it let's hear from martin catalini here on hoop sevens basketball hustle Next up here on Hoop Sevens Basketball Hustle, very honoured to be joined by a special guest and a championship-winning teammate of Sean Redditch, but he might, but Sean might still be a little bit intimidated by him. I, I have a feeling they, they spent plenty of years playing against one another, and and I'm I'm tasked here with having a chat to you on my own this week with my special guest. But let's get straight to it. Martin Catalini, a 452 game NBL superstar, an Olympian, four-time championship winner. We can run down your accolades probably all day here, Cat. But let's get let's get on with the show. Thanks very much for joining me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for uh, thanks for ringing through. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Kat. But when you reflect on your time playing against Sean, as you know, he's the co-host here on the show, and then the one season that you spent playing with him as a as a championship that you you shared, what springs to mind? <laughs> Funnily enough, I really didn't like Sean. <laughs> he played he played a really horrible game in mm-hmm. the way of like he was always niggling. He was the guy that would flop on a charge. He would dive on you in a ball like he was his elbow. I'm sure you're not surprised that that's been a an ongoing theme here on the show when I do speak to people about Sean and as we've talked about I'm we're writing a book together as well and when I ask questions about people that played against him it's fair to say he was their number one enemy but anytime they got a chance to play play with him immediately their their thoughts changed on him once you get to know him a little bit off the court but those years especially when you were in Cairns your rivalry with Perth was was pretty legendary and your battles with Sean were you know right in the middle of all of that fairly much directly um, pretty much each game and to be honest I reckon it was a a 50-50 share Sean got the better of me sometimes sometimes he got the better of Sean but it was always a battle you know and it was always I always knew what I was going to uh, get with Sean you know he would would never give up 
100% never give up. Even if they were 20 down or we were 20 down, if he got the ball, he was looking to come at me. Mm. And uh, and likewise, it was, it was a very healthy rivalry. Perfect timing to chat to you this week, obviously, now as we're heading into the finals this week in the NBL. And we've got two of your former teams, the Cairns Taipans and the Perth Wildcats, playing against one another. When you reflect, obviously, you had a great history at Adelaide as well. Between those three clubs, is there one that stands out where your heart remains more than any other or can, can you honestly say that maybe it's pretty it's split pretty evenly between the three yeah not really look if I had to pick a moment in my career where I thought okay I really really enjoyed that period it would have to be Adelaide yeah. uh, purely for the fact that I was really young you know I had uh, my teammates Brett and uh, Darnell Kevin Brooks Rupert Sapwell uh, Reese, uh, all these guys David Stiff we're all about the same age, we're all in the same boat, and we all just really clicked as a team. It doesn't happen that often in mm. professional sport, and still to this day, you know, many of us, are, uh, you know, are, I could ring them up and catch up for a coffee at yeah. any time. So it's, uh, that period was fantastic, but all of it was different. Cairns was later in my career, yeah. and it was something that I really wanted to do. I wanted to achieve some success there because I'd never had it before. Mm. It was a really different organisation from, from Perth who had demanded success, uh, and that was different again coming back into that fold. But, yeah, if, if I was to nail one section of my career, yeah, definitely Adelaide. Yeah, it's interesting. I've spent a lot of time speaking to Scotty Ninnis over over this season just through doing some work with the 36ers. And every time we reflect back on his playing days, there's not a story that he shares where where there's not a, not something about Cat that, that he's thrown in the mix as well. And even when they're talking about the Hall of Fame at the moment that they just introduced last week for the first time, your name's up there as someone that they expect to, you know, put into that in within the next, you know, one, two or three years or whenever, whenever it is. I mean, you must have a great bond with guys like Scotty and Brett Maher and, and all those other guys you mentioned. Yeah, we, we, we really did. It was, like I said, it doesn't happen very much in professional sport where the whole team, not just a couple of players, but the whole team, our partners at the time, they all got along. It was mm. just even the coaching staff. We, we really all got along yeah. and it was great. And that transferred to success, you know. Obviously, success uh, helped that situation as well, you know, even even bond us even more. But it was a it was a great period where I used to love going to training. I, I couldn't, you know, I'd spend hours after training just hanging out with the guys. We had a table tennis table there that we'd spend a couple of hours competing against each other. It was it was really fun times. And in the weekends, or if we had some time off, we all got together, partners, kids. Uh, although not many kids at that stage, but uh, it was just a it was a really good group. Then up in Cairns, that was probably the time when I started to get involved in the league at the first time, and every time you'd watch a Taipans game, it was always the Martin Catalani show. You would put on some incredible performances. You had that 50, it was a 51-point game. You, you were just an absolute superstar. Is that the time where, as an individual, you maybe thought you were at your absolute best? It was just a different role. I mean, sure. with that team, I had to do that, and I, I, I mean that in the, in the nicest yeah. way to my, my teammates. Um my role was to score, and their role was to look for me. It was really like the Andrew Gaze Melbourne Tigers. Yeah, you know? sure. Not that I'm comparing myself no, no. to Andrew Gaze. <laughs> yeah. But it was, the, the offense ran through me fairly much solely, and uh, it, which is a good and a bad thing. You know, yeah. if, if I had a good night, we played well. If I didn't, we, we lost. So it, it, coming down the stretch in the end of the season, so I got a bit tired. It wasn't, wasn't fantastic. Mm. But that was my job to score. And, you know, some games I did it, some games I didn't. And uh, the guys really looked for me, which was nice. You know, like they, I had the confidence of the, of the team that I was the guy putting up the shots and um, they were really working around me. Had a chat to Matt Smith earlier this season, and he still brags about how you and he combined for a fifty-five point game back in back <laughs> I've in the heard day that too. Story a few times, yeah. Matt <laughs> tells that one quite well. <laughs> then you came back to Perth, and that's that's obviously where you started. You won a, a championship early in your career, then you come back for that last season, and you you finish your career with a championship. And it's obviously your hometown; it's where you you're now based again as well. Was that the perfect way to to start and finish really, your yeah, career? It really was. I was very, very, very fortunate that they gave me that opportunity because. Mm. I probably didn't deserve it, to be to be honest. I was coming off a couple of really bad injuries. Um, I ended up playing the, the last half of the season prior to coming back to Perth, and I played okay. I held my own, but yeah. I certainly wasn't a, a world beater. I was aging. I was 35, 36 at that stage. So there, was, there was no guarantees of me coming back to Perth. I wanted to. I really wanted to come back. I wanted to play that last year here in Perth, and... Um, you know, I got given that opportunity. It was a completely different role and really quite hard to accept at the yeah. start. But um, something I'm really grateful for Perth that they gave me that opportunity. 
Did it make it tougher when Rodri went down so early in the season? Did that really make you question things even more a little bit? Yeah, it was, it was really tough. Uh, yeah. Always, you know, one of my best mates still to this day. Yeah. Right? Actually got his wife and his daughter staying in my house right now. <laughs> um, it, it was, he was a big part of the reason why I wanted to come yeah. back and, and play that season here in Perth and we sort of wanted to go out together. Um, but, you know, professional sports, you know, you can't write the script. You mm. uh, have to go along with it sometimes. And he got injured in the second game, I yeah. believe, and that yeah. was, uh, he was out. Um, I did question at that stage whether I wanted to pursue the, the year ahead, but I'm, I'm really glad I did. Obviously, we won the championship, and uh, I did get the uh, I did get the fairy tale ending. Is it amazing to think that was ten years ago now? Yeah, I can I can literally remember training sessions uh, <laughs> that happened ten years ago. It feels uh, sometimes it feels like yesterday, and other times we go, wow, a lot has really happened. And it was still in that old uh, Perry Lake Stadium. And I remember when Galen Young came in, he had to put some hard hard yards in to lose that belly that he that he had. He was great. He did his role perfectly. Uh, But at the start, it was sort of like, whoa, Mm. (laughs) where have you been? Before I I ask you about what's happening at the moment, what's the last 10 years been like for you moving into the next phase of your life? Again, I'm very fortunate. Um, My father started the business uh, and my brother. I've been fortunate enough to fall into that um, and take over the business with my brother and I. So in many ways... um, you know that 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 cushion that 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 separation between uh, professional life to uh, your sporting life was was eased a little bit for me. So I'm I'm very grateful for that and very very fortunate to have that uh, being able to step into that. And I know many people haven't had that opportunity. And it, it, it really is a tough ride. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sugarcoat it any, but it's you know it's, it's something like you have to take your ego. Yeah. And put it in your pocket. When you finish playing professional sport, you take that ego away and somehow you've got to put it in your back pocket and, and forget about it. And it's a really hard thing to do. Uh, but uh, as I said, I, I'm a little bit fortunate than most, but I still had to do that. What's the, what's the business you're running? You can give them a plug if you like. Yeah, so we run a uh, couple of businesses. We run a chemical manufacturing business. Uh, that we manufacture and produce, um, we say commercial grade cleaning chemicals, water treatment chemicals, maintenance products, uh, and then we also run a, uh, a service company that um, does uh, pre-commissioning work for anything that works under pressure, so oil and gas industry, pipelines, um, desalination plants, uh, defence, lots of things on that on that mm. front. I'm not sure how close of an eye on the NBL you get a chance to keep at the moment, but what are you what are your thoughts on this? Taipan's Wildcat series that starts on Friday night. What do you what do you think? What do you think is going to happen? What I think is going to happen, and what will probably happen, will be two very different things. <laughs> I suggest. Sure. But uh, I really think Cairns worry Perth. They've yep. got the size. Uh, the, the guards are fantastic. Mm. Um, they've got a really well run team. I think Mike Kelly's done a great job in. Yeah. Uh, I spoke about egos before. I think he's done a really good job of uh, controlling the ego and uh, keeping it in check, which is pretty much the number one thing I think a coach should be able to do. They seem like they're on their night, Titans can beat anyone. Mm. Uh, I believe this will be a really tough series for Perth. I don't think it'll be a walkover in any stretch or form. Without uh, Miles Plumley coming in, I think they would have been in huge sure. trouble. Sure. Uh, there's a big X factor with Nate Joy. Mm-hmm. If he's fit and healthy and playing well, I, I believe Cairns will really, really push Perth. When you watch these two teams play, given that you've got such history with both of them, does your does your heart pull one way or the other? Or what's what's the emotions like when you watch them play one another? I really don't have too much emotion at all sure. with either club, any club, um, in, in that way. Like yeah. I'm not supporting one club or another. Definitely not supporting Perth over Cairns or Cairns over Perth. Yeah. Um, if anything, you know, I, I want to see Perth win because it's my hometown, um, and that's purely as a fan yeah. perspective. The only thing I look for a game now that's changed very, very much is I just want to see a good game. I want to see a tight, physical, close game, and that, that's what I want to see. If it's a blowout, I'll lose interest. In terms of Cairns, there were some tough times when you were there. I know you had some success as well, and you, you, you know you, you eliminated the Wildcats a, a couple of times in the playoffs, or at least once, but you saw that the club was still very much still in its foundation stages. Now that they've got the community model up and going, they're in it. They look to be in a very good place right now, a stable place. Does that does that make you happy? Given that their future, yeah, I guess, it wasn't always guaranteed. 
No, not at all. And I, I still think, you know, I'm looking from the outside in 100%, but um, I still think it's a battle for Cairns to be there year in, year out. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've got Mark Beecroft running the club out there, and he's done a fantastic yeah. job of just keeping it going. Uh, not only keeping it going, getting into the finals. I mean, that's that. that. If they had the award for best administrator, surely he would be the number yeah, one because sure. their resources are minimal. You know, their, their corporate sponsorship can be minimal at times, and what they've done this year is fantastic. I think mean, he, he really deserves uh, all the accolades that he gets on that front. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, it is good to see, you know, these uh, regional communities, um, you know, sometimes they don't have, you know, they don't have the resources, they don't have the excitement factor that a, a major city has, and to have a national uh, team that's, yep. that's competing really well. It is, you know, I've seen it firsthand how excited the, the town gets and how involved the town gets. It's uh, it's a really good thing to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about basketball at the moment in your life? Is it playing any sort of a role, or a small part? Are you, do you have any involvement? It'll always play a part in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's transferred over to my son now. Yep. Um, he's playing. You know, he's, he's uh, in under 16s. He's playing for Wellington at a wobble level mm-hmm. he enjoys it you know which is I, I see the enjoyment he gets out of it and I get the enjoyment from that I'm not involved in any coaching because he doesn't want me to okay. <laughs> he, uh, he uh, certainly doesn't listen to me at home so I can't imagine he's going to listen to me in the basketball court but I, I enjoy watching him play and I enjoy him uh, and the other kids that you know, I've seen you know, for the last five years all the mates that he's played with develop and, and grow and it's, um, it's a great sport it really is juniors they do it really well in WA um, it, it's good to see so many kids are, are really into it and uh, it, uh, it's, it's good to see that the kids really take it on board as well like they, they take mm. it really seriously which is good taking a look at the SBL here in Perth at the moment and we've still got we've still got Sean that's still still going to play again this year and we've got Mark Worthington coming in as a, as a coach for the first time this year we've got Aaron Traher and Ricky Grace coaching down in, in Mandurah Mike Ellis is still coaching there's a lot of familiar names in, in the league is there any chance you'll get involved at some stage? Uh, the simple answer, no. <laughs> and if you knew me as a player and anyone that knew me and played alongside me, coaching would have never been on my radar. Sure. It, it's just something that I'm, I'm just, uh, I was more of a feel sort of a player there up in an X and O. I, I didn't like it when a coach really narrowed it down. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I liked the option. So it was, I'm not coach material, put it that yep, way. Yep. <laughs> um, a couple of quick questions before we finish. As I touched on at the start of the show, the 36ers have just started up their Hall of Fame and they had their first three inductees last week and and I think Brett Maher, Phil Smythe and... Mark Davis? Mark Davis was I'm the third, him. yeah. Um, how long until Martin Catalini's added to that list? Oh, look, if I get on that list, I'll be a fair way back. You know, you, you've still got the Al Greens of the world, uh, Daryl Pierce, mm. Mark Bradkey. Uh, you know, I, I could go on and on. You know, uh, the, the new generation um, that'll, that'll finish soon will be able to go in there as well. But um, look, if I did get on there, it'd be a massive honour. I don't expect me to be on there anytime soon, though. Up in Cairns, they tied Aaron Grabeau's jersey and finally got it hung up in the rafters there at the convention centre and there's talk about who the next person will be and your name's come up a fair bit. Do you expect to see your jersey up in the rafters in Cairns one day? I'd nearly be disappointed if that was the case. I only played there for four seasons. Um, I would hope that their history has moved on a little bit more than that. Um, Look, again, I'd be hugely honoured. And Aaron Grabeau, he played there for 14, 15 years. He 100% deserves to be up there. You know, guys like Anthony Stewart played there for a long time. I'm I'm hoping their history has moved forward a little bit a four-year player would struggle to get up there. No, I understand that, but I think you're underestimating the influence you had there as well. You left a lasting legacy. So I think in both those cases, I wouldn't ask the question if I didn't think you deserve to be there. Of those two things, and we add in the potential of Sean Reddidge as number 42 being retired by the Wildcats, of the three, which one do you think is going to happen first? <laughs> I think Sean will be retired any, any day now at okay. the end of this season, and he deserved it. He was... Uh, 
you know, Sean's a great story, you know, and I'm not sure if many people know that he really battled his way out here. He wasn't he wasn't a superstar, he didn't have NBA you know, credentials. Um, he battled his way in and then fought his way in and, and kept on fighting. So, yeah. uh, as you know, it really is a good story, and uh, he deserves it all because there's a story behind that work ethic and what he wanted to do, and um, uh, he should be very, very proud of what he's achieved. And to be honest, the way he plays hasn't changed now when he's playing in the SBL. He's still playing the same way, still having everyone that plays against him hate him, so nothing nothing much has changed. Elbows? Has he still got those oh, absolutely, elbows absolutely. Well? Pro- pro- <laughs> probably even more so now that he's lost some of his athleticism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> um, now, uh, just finally, let me try to pin you down on the Wildcats and Taipan series. What do you yeah. what, what do you think will happen result-wise? Well, I'd be surprised if it doesn't go to three. Yep. Uh, I think uh, I think Perth will just get over them and the addition of, like I said before, with Miles Plumley coming in will make the difference. Um, I, I think without him, they would have been in real, real trouble. If he plays well, I think they will, will get through. Only just, but I do believe it'll go to three. And the other series, Sydney Kings and Melbourne United, they're two of the teams that everyone expected to be there. Melbourne's been a little bit up and down, but they seem to be clicking at the right time. Sydney's been on top of the ladder the whole season. What are you thinking that one? I believe Sydney will sweep that one. Okay. I don't. I think Melbourne have run their race and that they would have put a lot of energy out in just getting there, where Sydney's been sitting back, waiting, fresh, ready to go. Yeah, I, I think Sydney will sweep them. Yeah, I think I think you're you're probably probably on the money there. I think I think that's what I think will happen too. Um, but you know a lot more than more than I do, and that's why. <laughs> I, I probably don't. <laughs> that's, that's a gut um, feeling. Without saying too much, no. uh, I've seen enough professional sports to know if the, you know if you're if you're prepared and ready. You know, it goes a long way. Absolutely, I could keep talking to you all day, Cat, but I do need to let you get back to work. And and it's you know always a pleasure to speak to you. Always great to hear hear your thoughts on a lot of things, and a great pleasure to have you on the show. So thanks very much for joining Good us. Mate. It's great talking basketball again. It's been a long time. No, my pleasure. Okay, big thank you to Martin Catalini for joining us here on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle. Now, if you've checked out our social media pages over the last week or so since our last show, and if indeed you listened to us on our last show, we introduced a special competition for all of our our listeners. Thanks to ID Athletic. Check them out at idathletic.com. They are giving one of our listeners a chance to win a whole set of playing singlets. You can design them yourselves. They'll get them printed. They'll get them distributed to you for your whole whole basketball team. So whether you're a, a junior team, a social team, whatever you are, you know, there's some terrible looking out uniforms that teams are running around with at the moment that you'll see on any basketball courts around, well, around the country. This isn't limited to WA. So all you have to do is follow us on either Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Send us a photo of the current uniform you're playing in and just tell us why you need a new set of uniforms and come the final show of the regular season, Sean will pick out the winner and and we'll announce the winner here on the show. So pretty exciting, Sean, and let, let's hope we get some entries in because it's a it's a prize that's that's worth you know hundreds of dollars. So if you don't have to fork out that money yourself for your team, it's pretty pretty handy. Well, it is, and you get to design it yourself, yeah. so you can uh, you can come up with whatever whatever you want, whatever you fancy, and uh, you know I'm excited to see hopefully. I'm sure we're going to get some some pretty poor uniforms that are out there. I'm, I'm around a lot of basketball stadiums, and then there's some not pretty ones. I mm. can tell you that mm. much. And uh, and and hopefully, they can get a, a new set of uniforms. And and you know, if you if you look good, you play good. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, it's finals time now, Sean. The time where you you made your your legacy, you know, and and sustained it for made made sure it was sustained for forever with the championships that you won at the Perth Wildcats. So let's start with the Wildcats taking on the Cairns Taipans. Game one, Friday night at RAC Arena. Game two, back in Cairns at the Cairns Convention Centre. And if required, on the Thursday night, back in Perth to determine who goes through to the grand final. There's plenty to dissect in this series. Matchups, you know, galore right across the, the, the two teams to, to look at. But what is what is the biggest thing that stands out that needs to go right for both teams to, to get, get over the line. Well, these two teams haven't played each other since December. Yeah. Um, only one time in Perth, 
and Cans actually beat Perth by the largest margin ever at RAC mm. Arena. So they're the only team in the NBL to not lose at RAC Arena this year. Yep. So they've, uh, they're going to come in with confidence. Um, I think both teams are a little bit different, uh, especially Perth with with uh, with Plumlee there in the middle. He's um, he's give them a different dynamic, and I think they're a little bit better defensively, more of a presence, um, someone to match up with Cam Oliver and Nate Jawad. But the um, you know the matchup I think it's going to come down to is Newble and Cotton. Yep. You know how can and, and Newble's done a good job. I mean Cotton's only averaging 16 points. Yeah. Um, only scored over 20 once. And uh, obviously, Perth beat Cairns in that last game in Cairns. I think, you know, I think Cairns is going to come in with a lot of confidence in that one. You know, to me, the X factor is going to be Tariko White. He hasn't looked right for a few weeks. He didn't play in that final game. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I haven't seen him at training. Um, how well he's gone, but uh, obviously the FIBA window would, would help him. But we do know what he's capable of come mm-hmm. finals time. He seems to be able to step up his game. Are these other guys going to be able to to step up their game? How's Machado going to go against Damian Martin, Mitch Norton in there? I think it's uh, there's a lot of good matchups there. I'm, I'm excited to see how this one plays out. Luckily, I'll be able to beat courtside and yeah. uh, can get a front row seat next to you. Wanted to get your thoughts on... Cairns taking care of the ball. So when teams have got the better of them this season, and we saw it most notably in that game against Brisbane to close the season, the opposition has, has trapped Machado in the backcourt, run the full-court press, and, and double-teamed him. Even when he catches it in the front court and they run a run an, an on-ball, they make sure that they trap him and just get the ball out of his hands at, at all costs. And, and it's worked because... The Taipans have coughed up turn, you know, big numbers of turnovers in, in at certain times when they've had that done to them. Um, if you're Cairns, how do you how do you make sure that because the Wildcats are going to want to make somebody else make the plays if the Taipans are going to get get plays done, they want to at all costs get the ball out of Machado's hands. So how do the Taipans handle that situation and 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 not turn the ball over as as they've been been accustomed to doing? They're just going to have to play with a lot more discipline. Mm. And uh, and that's one of the things. When you get to that finals time, you've got to figure out a way to attack the other team's weaknesses and, and vice versa. If they're going to attack your weaknesses, you've got to be able to combat combat that. And uh, so they what they've got, to, they've got to get the ball over half court, then get the ball back into Machado's yeah. hands. If they're going to double team, um, just, you know, that's what the, how they've been successful this year, playing through him. they got to yep. get the ball back to him. You know, I think undisciplined teams will just will go down. You know, if they get their their best player gets double teamed, throw the ball back and uh, and go down and just just take whatever shot the team yeah. gets you. And that's what the that's what the defensive team wants. I think um, you know, I think that's where the benefit of a guy like Damian Martin he understands that. Like if they double team Bryce Cotton, we're gonna figure out a way to get the ball back in his hands when we get to the other end. And um, and so that's if you're if you can't stop fans, you've got to figure out a way to play through Scott Machado because he's been your driver this year, and uh, and he's going to be the the catalyst that's going to take you into the grand final if you're uh, if you're able to get over the Wildcats. We're we're blessed as well to have the MVP of the league and the league's leading scorer Bryce Cotton up against the best defensive player in the league, DJ Newell. That's a that's a hell of a matchup. But from a Cairns point of view. Do you let DJ go one-on-one against him or do you double-team him at times to make somebody else beat you, similar to what the Wildcats will do with Machado, or do you mix it up? Do you just give Bryce different looks at, at all all times? Well, I think Bryce is just too smart. I mean, yeah. he's probably one of the uh, the smartest players I've I've uh, played with, so you're going to have to change it up. If yep. you just play one way against him, he's, um, he's going to figure it out pretty quick, so... Uh, you know, he did that in the grand final series. He figured out everyone was just concentrating on him and just kicked it to Tariko White. Mm-hmm. And Tariko White was the grand final MVP. <laughs> yeah. And there was no one happier than, than Bryce Cotton because he, he understood. And I think everyone that watched basketball understood that um, that Bryce Cotton was the reason for those performances because everyone was so, throwing so much focus on him. So you've got to make sure that uh, – Obviously, Bryce is going to probably score his, but you just got to make sure you don't don't allow him affect the game in other ways. You know, don't get Trico White going. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you've got a guy like 
TJ Newble, who can lock him down to some degree. I mean, you're only gonna, you're not gonna lock him down, but contain him. Um, then, you know, maybe let him play a little bit more one-on-one than, uh, than other, um, than I guess other teams might have be able to, because you've got such a lockdown defender. So it's a, uh, you know, I think that's one of the intriguing things about this series. Kans has the potential and the ability to beat the Wildcats, um, but it's just a matter of can they do it in front of the 13,000 Red Army, mm. which is, uh, you know, easier said than done. Especially at finals time. Um, the other thing, Cam Oliver, he's had two really good games against the Wildcats, and they and Perth have found it tough to stop him, but they haven't had Miles Plumley in any of those previous three games. To me, it's a double thing. I think Miles Plumley has the ability to probably limit what, what Cam does, especially on the inside. He has the ability to certainly be be a, be an intimidator on his shots inside, but it also means that Cam Oliver can't match up on Nick Kay, which I think has a I think it's a double positive for the Wildcats for for the difference on those previous three meetings just by bringing in in Plumley. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, I think with the Wildcats have struggled at times versus teams that are really big yep. in athletic because their team wasn't really built for that. But that's changed now with Plumley. They've got a guy that's a legitimate NBA athleticism inside. So it's uh, given them a little bit more firepower on the defensive end and um, can match up with, you know, the likes of a Bogut and Cam Oliver and, and Sean Long a little bit better. Whereas I thought those guys were kind of dominating at times against the, the Wildcat bigs. So it's a, uh, a different, different game now that uh, you got Plumlee, but for Plumlee, he's got to stay out of foul trouble. Yep. I mean, he's, he's, he seems to get in, as hard as he plays. He's got to be a little bit smarter with those fouls um, and they're going to need him in this series. They haven't in some degree they haven't really needed him mm-hmm. um, at times so far, but I think come finals time, it's why they brought him in. They're going to need him to be able to play 25 minutes and, and really have an effect on the game. Yeah, I think it's really important that he does that because I don't think Cairns have a good matchup for Nick Kay at all. If you have a look at their two best options, if Oliver's occupied with 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 Plumlee, then their their options are Majuk Deng or, or Fabian Krislovic, and I, I like the chances of Nick Kay having a huge series in, in that situation. Yeah, I think so. And the way Nick Kay's been playing is... Uh, you know, five straight games of 20 plus points. Yeah. He's actually probably been the Wildcats best player over the last, um, the last probably four or five weeks. So, uh, it's a, uh, yeah, that's, that, it's a good point about the matchup with, with Nick K. But, you know, if you're the Kansas Tie fans, you're not, Nick K's just kind of, he, he, he kind of finds his, yep. where he is. He, the guys you've got to stop are Bryce Cotton and Tariqa White and try and limit them. Sure. Okay, we'll get your predictions at the end of the show, but let's have a look at the other series as well because this is this is a fascinating one. You've got a Sydney Kings team on top of the ladder all season long. Um, they've got home court advantage. They're the deepest team in the league now that they've got Kevin Lish and Diddy Lozada and Craig Muller all back healthy along with Andrew Bogut as well. They, they're a team that legitimately has you know, 12, 12 players they can all call upon at any time. Everything's pointing in their direction, but then you've got a Melbourne United opponent who from the start of the season we all knew they had the talent that they could be a championship contender but for pretty much the whole season they played as a group of individuals the last three or four weeks they've changed that they've got things on track Dean Vickerman Dean Vickerman's decision to move Mallow Trimble to the bench has proved a masterstroke he's got them clicking um, this could be a real fascinating series on the back of what we saw between the two of them last year when Melbourne had the home court advantage and Melbourne Got the got the better of Sydney. It is. There's a lot of intriguing matchups. We kind of already talked about some of that. Uh, you know, I think, I think Sydney Kings they've kind of just coasted into the finals. So mm-hmm. can they now get that edge that they had at the start of the year, where they got to kind of something to prove? I think you know, I think Will Weaver's a, a pretty smart coach, and, and he'll get them playing to the top level. But I also think Dean Vickerman is maybe put punch the, the right buttons here and uh, and has this Melbourne United team playing some pretty good basketball. And, you, you know, anytime a team's got Chris Golding and Melo Trimble and Sean Long, you yeah. can't just discount them. No. I mean, those guys are elite players. And uh, when they put their mind to it and they're all playing together and playing as one, they are uh, a tough force. So, um, you know, that series is, is just as intriguing to me. Mm. And uh, I'm excited, excited to see how that one 
how that one plays out, you know, how healthy is Andrew Bogut going to be? Um, and uh, will the, those two weeks really uh, – the thing I think probably gives Sydney Kings that edge is they're really – you know, they haven't tasted that success. So they're, they're extra motivated to uh, try and bring a championship back to, to Sydney and, um, you know, I guess prove – prove everyone that uh, they are, you know, the top team and they've been from the, from the start to the end, but now, now it's money time and they've got to prove it. Yeah. They haven't won a playoff series in a, oh, since they've come back to the league. So it's been, well, probably, it's probably when they beat you in a series, was it back in 2007? It might've been the last time that the Sydney Kings have won a, a playoff series. So it's been a long time. Um, to me, really looking forward to seeing, a matchup that's probably been 12 months in the making in the centre position, Andrew Bogut against Sean Long. There was a lot of talk between the two of them last season about who was the best centre. Obviously, Bogut ended up being the MVP and and Sean Long went away thinking that he was the best player in the league and and came back and signed the, the big deal with Melbourne and hasn't quite lived up to it, but he's still got the potential to dominate games. How do you see that matchup playing out? Well, it's it's kind of... You know, you're not going to just be able to look at the numbers and say, mm. oh, so-and-so did better. I mean, Sean Long's probably going to score more points sure. than Andrew Bogut, but Andrew Bogut could have more effect just by yep. the way he, you know, commands commands the middle and, and, and obviously defensively he, he's elite at what he does and, and rebounding So and also his passing. So it's it's one of those things. I, I kind of feel like whoever wins the actual series is the one that had the, the more impact yeah. because – those two guys impact the game on, on a different level. So, but you know, they're both going to be motivated, you know, and I love that, that they both, uh, they both want to uh, dominate and, and be considered the best center in the league. So it'll be, uh, it's a, it's a fun one to uh, fun one to watch. Then at the other end, you've got the, the point guard matchup and you got Casper Ware, the man who left Melbourne after taking them to the last two grand finals and joining it up at the Sydney Kings. And you've got the man who Melbourne replaced him with, Mallow Trimble, who's coming in in probably his best form of the season since moving to the bench, he's really, really thrived in that in that role where he can just come up, come in and score points and not and not have the same pressure from starting. So that matchup's going to be crucial as well. Well, will and if you're you know if you're Melbourne United and you know Bogut's going to be out there, it's similar to what the Wildcats do a lot of times, and, and Bogut likes to just hang back in there and, and protect the paint. So if you're Mellow Trimble. Chris Golding, just run those middle on balls and 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 force them to uh, to try and uh, get out there on on those shooters. And uh, you know what's Dean Vickerman going to do? Are they is he going to continue with Mello coming off the bench? It's worked well, but mm. then you kind of get in the finals time. Sometimes you just do that to prove a point, but yep. then you got to go back with your studs. Sure. So I'll be interested to see if he, he moves back to the starting lineup. And then you got Casper Ware. You know he's going to want to show them like you guys can't get to the final unless you have me. And uh, so, you know, those two guys uh, will be going at it as well. And it's a uh, it's it's one of those things that the matchup within the matchup is, is always fun, especially for for uh, an ex player as well. Just to kind of see how guys compete against each other on a on a on a possession by possession basis. Yeah, and you, you keep going through the list and you have a look. Kevin Lynch against Chris Golding, you know, Olympic teammates will be fascinating. Um, you know, got you got Diddy Lozada and. And he probably go. He probably gets matched up by Mitch McCarron, Brad Newley, and Dave Barlow. Two more, you know, old Olympic teammates. Um, you know, you got Daniel Kickett coming off the bench for Sydney, who gives them gives them a real pop. And I guess you know Melbourne's got Stan and Kidd, they're forgotten import almost, who can come in and give them something off the bench as well. There's plenty to look forward to in that series. Before we go back and get your prediction for Cairns and Perth, what are you thinking? in terms of who's going to win out of the Kings and Melbourne United? Oh, I think you're going to go with Sydney just off the um, – but I, I don't think it's as as easy as everyone thinks. I think uh, I think Melbourne United are, are close to as talented as Sydney Kings. Sydney Kings probably a little bit better defensively, but I think it'll go to three games. Mm-hmm. And uh, and hopefully uh, from, a, from a viewer's point of view, it goes to that third game on Thursday night and uh, and we've almost got two, two deciders – to, to watch on the on the Thursday night. That would be uh, fantastic, yeah, and I think that's what this season deserves, the way the team's been playing. Well, do you expect the Wildcats and the Taipans to go to three games too? I do. I do. Yeah. I think uh, you know, I think the Wildcats will get it done because of the home court advantage. It's just tough to beat them in the finals. Um, but if there's one team that's you know takes a lot of confidence coming in 
and it beaten Perth here in Perth. It is the Cairns Taipans, but I think it'll be a Sydney Perth final, which is probably what the league wants, especially from a numbers point of view and the yeah. amount of fans that can go to a game. And you know, I guess from the outside, I'd love to see the Kings get in there, see if they could sell out Kudos Bank Arena for a grand final. Well, we, we could, we could uh, seriously yeah. have an average of 15,000 people for a grand final series if that's the case. How awesome would that be? That would be uh, the but, but you know we're ta- already talking about grand finals, yep. and uh, you know I think Cairns and Melbourne United saying, hey, wait a second, mm-hmm. we uh, we're we're a pretty good basketball team. So it's uh, you know you can't look ahead in in these, and as as history will tell you, usually game one tells you who's going to win. I think it's twenty one of the last twenty two or twenty two yeah, of the so. last twenty three, yeah. something like that. Crazy game one winners have gone on to win the series. So it'll be um, you know. Game one will be the the decider, um, most likely. Yeah, I think the one to buck the trend in recent times was that Illawarra Hawks team that upset Adelaide when Adelaide was the regular season champions. I think outside of that, we haven't seen anyone lose game one and be able to come back from it. So it's going to be fascinating. Well, let's hope we've got two game threes to look forward to next week when we do our next show, Sean. But this has been a big one. Plenty to wrap up. We wrapped up the regular season, wrapped up the awards, wrapped up the Boomers games. We heard from Martin Catalini, and we gave you what you hopefully found was a informative preview of the two semifinal series. So massive show. Um, thanks to Hoop7. Head to hoop7.com.au for making it happen. And make sure you get your entries in to win a set of singlets from RD Athletic as well. So follow us on our social media pages to get all of the details. We look forward to seeing what happens in these first two games of the two series this weekend. Sean Reddish, thanks for joining me. What can you leave our listeners with for another week? Thanks, Pikey. Been an exciting season. I think, you know, I'm, I'm even the off-season stuff is going to be interesting. Who's coaching who? Are we going to get uh, some of these next stars? Is is Josh Giddy? is he going to be playing in the NBL next year, potentially uh, – a first round pick. So there's a lot of exciting things, not only just in the finals, but uh, in the off season as well. And, and that's what you want in uh, in the league. So I'm excited about the finals, about see, excited about the off season. Let's see. Uh, let's see how it all plays out. And we'll, uh, we'll speak after game one next week. Bye, have a great time.